Hello, this is Lucy. A major update on the book designing front. I um, just gave in and paid someone from Fiverr to try to fix an issue I've been having with page numbering. I've been struggling with it for like a week and then I just thought, nah, I, I can't go on anymore. So I'm really hoping that this person will be able to fix it um, and that I can move forward. They just sent me a message that says, Hi, thanks for the order. I will definitely help you and will check the file later. I have read your requirements. Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> um, there's a person in Pakistan who has the Mount Wilds manuscript. I hope they don't leak it. What do you think about this little sound? I did receive some feedback from a listener who said that it was too much, but I don't know, personally, I think it's kind of funny. Anyway, I want to tell you a little bit about what I was doing at the weekend because I went to Caddy. Well, I'm in Spain already. I went to Caddy to the, go to this poetry festival to see my friend. Uh, my friend is, her name's Luna Miguel. She's a poet and writer, editor, uh, amazing literary person. I just lost my train of thought because I saw that I had a message from the person in Pakistan who is fixing the page numbers for the Mon Wilds. More than 24 hours have passed, by the way, since I started talking about this yesterday, but I'm now on the eighth version of the document that this person who's trying to help me has sent. It's so, I don't understand how it could be so complicated. It's just like every time a new section of the book starts, we leave the left-hand page blank and we don't have a page number, so then we need to go forward. Oh my God, I couldn't do it. This other person is having a hard time. It's all going to be fine in the end. But, you know, until you start doing this, you don't ever think about, like, how much work goes into making the book look so perfect. Okay, I just reviewed the file that they sent me, the ninth version, and uh, it looks almost perfect. There's just one blank page that has a page number on it still. Hopefully everything's going to be okay and I can give them a big tip. It seems too cheap for this to be... This person is working too hard for the amount of money that I've paid. So, uh, yeah, I don't understand how this website works. Okay, now we are two days later than I originally started talking about this. The person who was working on the page numbers has delivered the job. The manuscript looks really good. And I am going to meet with Caroline later to hopefully order the first proofs. Um, so, feeling like it was a good idea to ask for help. I never did it before for any of the other manuscripts, but I don't know, something about this one, it got all mixed up. So, yeah, we're moving forward. It's the 29th of March now. We've still got like a month to go until the books will be out. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to read the book again, you know, like when I'm proofreading and everything, um, like actually looking at the words instead of simply like moving blocks of text. I felt like in the end, uh, Pfizer W and I, that's the name of the woman in Pakistan who helped me, um, I felt like we had a good rapport. She was very excited when she finished, just as I was. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, that was good. And then I gave her a big tip and then she said if we ever need if I ever need any help again, just to ask. So that's kind of cool. I'm kind of happy that it worked out. But it is very weird, right? That there's a person on the other side of the world who's has no idea what they're doing. Like I just have I kept having to be like, Yeah, I know this is weird, but it's like it's poetry, don't don't worry about it, you know? I had to send her messages that said things like, the line that begins thong dangling where a wind chime belongs should be on page 95. So anyway, in that spirit, let's hear some poetry. I asked my favorite Portuguese poet, Francisco Matos, to read her poem from the Shabidol House Advent calendar. It's called Ha Ha. Ha Ha. The sun stays out for so long now, it clings to my face. Whatever you do, make it fun. I throw dice and watch my luck swirl around the blade in the backyard. I think I'm changing, Calvin says, and the trees batter in the back of his shirt. I think I'm becoming better at being a bad animal, but still can't help but ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness for thinking everything is also a funny thing. I open the mail and find Gonzalo has paid 165 euro to tell me he's here. Somewhere, you are also here, and I wrap my mind around it in the grass. Do you ever know what you're doing? Are you blown away all the time? Am I being weird? No, that's just what happens. Thank you, Francesca. Uh, I guess that is quite simply what happens. So, yeah, I think I've been talking enough. So I asked somebody else to help me share some esoteric impressions of Spanish literary culture. Hi, this is Oscar D'Artois, and I'm reporting live from my bedroom, my bed, in fact, in Andalusia in southern Spain. And I'm here to tell you about how I recently got to go see my friend Luna Miguel, who's following the release of her new book, been sort of touring Spain, read, uh, read and talk uh, in Seville uh, initially, and then two weeks later in Cadiz. And it was really great. I really enjoyed it. It's always funny. Um, my Spanish is okay, but it's not amazing. Um, I can't really keep up with that level of conversation necessarily. So it's always... Um, an interesting experience trying to uh, parse a reading in a language that you speak only some of. Uh, one of the great things about seeing Luna read her her uh, her, her poems, in particular, is um, how expressive she is and how it sort of comes. As long as you understand a few words, you can kind of piece it together, and really um, the the feeling comes through, regardless of how much you understand, which is pretty cool. Because that sounds sort of corny, but I feel like it's true anyway. Another thing that's really, I guess, uh, something that happens here uh, when I when I come here, it's like uh, it's so easy to fall into this trap of like forgetting that you belong in the world and falling sort of outside of place and time, and that uh, there's reality. And so it's really weird going to a reading where you know, or we're suddenly being like re-entered into reality, you know, and like these are these people's real lives. I mean, of course they are, uh, and they're and it's happening. Life is happening all around us. People are making stuff and doing things uh fantastic it's always really striking in spain as well to me anyway how um 
what's striking is how much support they have from, um, I guess, the various institutions. I'm not really sure. Or I, I tend to feel is like um, kind of amazing and, and allows means that the, the sort of young or maybe sort of alternative creative culture uh, in Spain is really alive and uh, well and strong in a way that it is doesn't feel to me in France and yeah and and I mean in America is sort of a different thing but it's just really uh, cool to see that and I feel like it lets it enables them well I don't know it seems like it enables them um, or maybe they just do this anyway to take themselves quite seriously which is always um, sort of uh, which. It seems amazing. It seems like aspirational. Like, how do they, um, you know, these are just kids basically, but then they're writing in articles in the major newspapers in the country and uh, on TV and, you know, doing these, getting to do these talks all over the country and stuff. And um, and so uh, an impression I always have is, is that how, you know, it's cool how uh, powerful, how they can be sort of um, talking, even, uh, you know, Luna was doing this thing in her tour where she wasn't, um, didn't, she wanted to have conversations more than uh, just do these sort of like straightforward reading presentation type things that would always be the same. We wanted to allow for like a difference uh, in terms of how the uh, events would unfold uh, according to who she was talking to and where she was. And uh, but just that ability to have to, to ask, you know, ask each other questions that I feel like so often we uh, people I know feel like we'd never uh, we'd be more detached and unable to uh, address stuff like that in that sort of direct um manner uh or for example her her, her boyfriend and the person she was talking to at uh, the event ernesto castro calls himself a philosopher and uh and he has several other people there uh who were, that were going to a lunch later who were also uh, i guess like fans of his maybe um calling themselves philosophers and uh i was like really you call yourself a philosopher just like like that's what you how you see yourself um, how you define yourself? Uh, Lena was like, "Well, you you could be a you could be a philosopher too if you want." Like, no way, I could never. I'm not a. I could never give, give myself a, a self serious name like that. Not that I uh, maybe would anyway, even if I felt that I could. But um, such as just never even occurred to me the idea of doing that. And so anyway, at the other reading, at the other at the conference that she was doing Cadiz, um, there was a Chilean poet that showed up a few minutes late. And she um, and and Luna immediately asked uh, or m- mentioned for a story of how she had gone when she had gone herself to Chile. Um, uh, she had gone up to some uh, poets like fifteenth uh, floor apartment overlooking the city, um, and without any small talk or anything, the poet had just been like, "Now is the time to read poetry." And they had all whoever was there had all sat down and just begun reading poems directly to each other which i guess is that's just what you do when you're in chile you sit around and you just read poems you don't and you don't need any any chit chat around it or anything um and she had what had marked her about that was how they didn't have she felt that she was so impressed by how chileans didn't seem to have this detachment and this uh, irony and the self-deprecation and uh this struggle with taking themselves seriously um that in spain she felt people had this so much more you know irony and needing to cover things up and uh aren't able to take themselves seriously and that just seemed so funny that that was how i guess there's like always somebody else to see themselves more that way either as as more not able to take themselves seriously or maybe more so um 
but you know, there's, there's always a, the grass is always greener, I guess, because obviously that's how we see, or I've seen, that's how I thought of Spanish people. Uh, so then we thought maybe we wouldn't even survive for a moment in Chile and we'd just be uh, annihilated by their, their realness. Um, there's a possibility. Another funny thing that she said was that um, was about how uh, in Spain um, they, she feels like they have this hunger for foreign literature and that a lot of it remains untranslated into Spanish and so that they're always you know, with these languages that they sort of half speak ordering books and trying to part, read the, reading these books and trying to parse the meaning of them. And, uh, and that seemed like quite a cool thing. Like maybe we should all be reading more books in languages that we don't really understand and just trying to sort of like get whatever we can out of them. And maybe that's, I don't know, just as much of an experience as uh, reading a book that you actually do understand um, or fully understand. So there you go. That was me uh, reporting on the literary scene in Andalusia. See you next time. Gracias. Uh, yeah, lots to think about constantly. So many things to consider. Oh, yeah, I have a message also for everybody listening who is wanting updates about Salmon by Sebastian Castillo. Why are there no updates on Salmon, you're wondering? Well, I'm not sure. It feels as though a lot of progress has been made on the Moan Wilds this week. And not as much from my point of view on Salmon. But that's fine. That's okay. We still have time and next week my focus will definitely have to be Salmon. So anyway, basically this entire program so far has been a preamble to hearing about what Caroline has been reading lately. So I just finished listening and watching, listening to and watching um, Alice Notley read for the Brooklyn Rail and that made, she and she read some of, um, some from her early works, which I'm reading right now. And I wanted to tell you about it. And I also wanted to tell you about a couple of other things that I'm reading right now. And I'm also, I also want to say that I'm, I'm reading in a way that feels really crazy to me because I'm reading, I'm usually someone who reads books one at a time with maybe, maybe two at a time if I'm reading something, something longer that's going to take me a long time. That's kind of in the background of my other reading, but Right now I'm reading three very long books all at the same time. And it's it's crazy for me. It's a new experience and it's it's kind of great because everything I'm reading is great. So so yeah, I guess like I already said, the first thing I want to tell you about is early works, which I know a lot of people are reading right now because everyone is posting about it on Instagram and on Twitter. And that's been really cool to see. It's fun to see everyone getting excited about Alice Notley all at the same time. She feels like a kind of cosmic force at this point. And it's, it's just so wild to read these early poems from like the 
the 60s and 70s and just many of which are kind of um are shorter and kind of um there's a kind of scattered or disjointed quality about them a sort of like energizing i feel like chaos isn't quite the right word but it's the one that's coming to mind like an energizing chaos about them that feels really different from like i guess i mean from the other book that came out this year by alice notley that i haven't even tried to enter yet the the speak angel series which feels like it's kind of in the in the same like lineage i guess in the same sort of like um part of the same sort of like mythic lineage that alice notley has created like within her own work i don't know if it's i don't know alice notley's so so prolific so maybe it's not strange to talk about like sort of lineage within just her work anyway i really that i i'm kind of i'm skipping around a lot as i'm reading early works because i wanted to start with um with some of the sonnets in the middle from i think was it like a chapbook like a chapbook type thing called great interiors wines and spirits of the world and I wanted to start there because I liked what she said in the preface to the book about sonnets. How she said, there's a line where she talks about an attempt to change the sonnet into something more giving, long-lined and unpredictable in a grid with a caption at the end. And I found that really exciting, I guess, because I kind of share that interest or that that desire, um, just wanting to make sonnets more than, wanting to figure out a way to write sonnets that is more than just like a block that turns and then is done. Um, And maybe I'll just, I kinda wanna read one of my favorite ones from this little section here. And it, it doesn't have a title, none of these have titles. I guess they're all kind of under that same Title, great interiors, wines and spirits of the world, which is great. I really, I really like that. It makes me think of like, of like a magazine, like a really specific kind of magazine from like, from like the eight or maybe from like the seventies when these were written anyway. Only wanting to be clear and for you, so I sit abolishing sentences. They're un-American and I'm Californian. Only wanting to be clear and for you, you so-called from its habit of the sky while singing, which on the window just stopped raining. I just love that so much. And something she said in the in the reading earlier about these early poems, she said something... She said something like, I was trying to sound like a person, but I wasn't a person. And I just lo- I love th- just the idea of Alice not considering herself a person. I don't know. That kind of makes sense to me. And I'm also interested in the idea of these poems as attempts to try to sound like 
a person and I feel like there's a there's a particular kind of like energy in that attempt that comes through and in a lot of these poems and I don't know exactly how to describe it or how to name it but I think it comes through in the response that I think a lot of people are having to this book which is like an excitement about writing like I think it's a book that is like making a lot of people myself included like excited to write and to me, and I feel like I'm about to say something crazy, but I feel like that speaks to just something that's really kind of like magical and seemingly like impossible and insane, but also so true about poetry and about something that that it can do is that it can kind of it can kind of like it can kind of like transmit this sort of like activating desire through space and time and between people which I don't know how it works but it does and that's part of why I'm so obsessed with poetry I guess um wow anyway so early works by Alice Notley and another book that I'm reading right now is the Studying Hunger Journals by Bernadette Mayer. And this, there's also an introduction to this, and I like what she says right here at the beginning. Uh, I'll just read this, this first paragraph. I kept these journals while seeing a psychiatrist. I'd gone to see him because I thought I might be crazy after my work on memory, shooting 36 pictures a day and keeping a detailed journal having driven me to the brink. But I thought, why not go over that brink and see what's there? On the other hand, I didn't want to wind up in a mental hospital tied to some bed or chair. And yeah, just the idea of going over that brink to see what's there. In a way that feels like something that, Bernadette and and Alice too, like just some, yeah, something that Bernadette was doing all the time, kind of, there was a kind of like relentless inventiveness. And she also goes on to, goes on to say that, that trying to, that rather than trying to accumulate data, she was trying to find what does she say? Something about structures. Yeah, that she wanted to find the structures through keeping these journals. And yeah, and I just, and I'm just really interested in, in how this like experiment in like containing time and an almost like scientific way, like what that, what that sort of like allows the language to do or what it like exposes in in the language like this feels like something that's truly experimental and I want to read a couple of my favorite just little bits of this it's like almost 500 pages and I have read I'm on page 105 right now I think this is I think I'm this is going to be kind of in the background all year, which I mean, it may, maybe longer. I don't know how long it'll take me to finish it, but 
I don't mind having this in the background. I kind of, anyway. So let's see, there's so much. That's so good. Okay. One, two, three, four, the door slams from the wind. There aren't enough colors to put it off anymore. The light's on me. I'm so tired. The wind blew my breath right flat. I'm breathing. You'll live so much longer right now. You're mountainous. Your breath is cool. You were the source of my saying, you know, everything. You were sweating. You were eating. The light set on me. You set the sun, the strongest wind. Every driven bends a call to that plant's branches, the one that's right there, that one. It drinks all the water you can give it, but can't say anything. Clouds were pink, now and only in the sky now and only in sky color, like you require more description that I can drink, but I can't say anything. You read me a color, you read me an only in sky color. Damn, only in sky color. I love that. And I just, I wanna read one more part that's here, that's just right here on the facing page. This is just a really delightful little list. Are you waiting? Is it time? I open my mouth. Soon I'm starving. I love grapefruit and cheese, fish, strawberries, asparagus and cream, nuts, snow peas, potatoes and cream, leaves, corn, squash, mushrooms, scallops, onions, coffee and tea. I've eaten enormously. Brandy in bed. I love fall. Who else eats this much? Who else has served such sauces separately? Served such sauces separately. So I love those S sounds there. And there's just... There's just so many ugh, ancient weather. I'm just just kind of flipping around and looking at what I've underlined. Be strong, don't be silly. No, maybe you can be both. She was perfect, divorced, living alone in her cave. She did nothing. Okay. So I could just flip through this and read out loud all day. So the last book that I want to tell you about is I was trying to describe what it feels like by Noi Holland which is a collection of her short stories. And I feel really interested in short stories and I would like to write short stories, but I feel like I don't know how to, or I feel kind of intimidated by like the short story as a form. I kind of don't know how to, it feels like a, like a room that I don't know how to behave in or like, it's, yeah, it's just like unfamiliar and intimidating, but also really exciting. So, so I'm reading these because I want to know how to write short stories and I've read Noi's work before and I like her stories because they kind of feel like, I kind of feel like she's writing for poets and I like that in her stories, like, it's like not really about plot it's like not really about things happening it's like not about like oh this and this and this and this like happening like to this person like here's like who this person is like whatever it's I like it's I mean and I know that that I don't know maybe I, I have just haven't read enough short stories I don't know anyway I really like that she's so far away from that and that like the and that there is like an attention to like things happening and like things like having happened and like it feels like she's interested in how all of that like comes to bear on a person and it comes through in 
like the the voice and in like the the sentences um I don't I'm not even sure I can really describe like what what they're doing but there's like a an intention to to like syntax and music that kind of that just kind of undoes me and I wanted to read I thought I had the page marked here I want to read a little bit from this one story it kind of feels like it's maybe like secretly a novella um from the story Orbit that brings that brought to my mind um Faulkner because one of the narrators in this story reminds me a lot of Vardaman from As I Lay Dying. There's a line somewhere in here about the fish being as big as dogs, which felt like something Vardaman would say, but he was too busy saying my mother is a fish. Anyway, okay, here's here's a sentence I can read. Or before then, I wonder, before that, before the body had been seen at all, before the nets, the slow boat, before it was decided to drag the lake, then, even before then, before it occurred to anyone that someone was going to have to decide to have the lake be dragged or not, I am not saying yes or no, only that I wonder, no, that I suspect, hope, I hope I am not alone in this, in thinking that in the decision made there was likely to be, apt to have been some notion, that in the spectacle of the body and the freak show of the body was the promise for them, the endurance of them, of some fresh exile, some uneasy glory. It's just, she's so good. These stories are so good. And I kind of want to find one other, one other little thing to read. Anyway, I I could sit here all day, but I'm going to stop now. Thank you for listening to Shabby Doll Radio. We'll be back soon. Thank you to Francisco Matos, Caroline Reina, and Oscar D'Artois. And yeah, thank you to Crook for the theme music. If you don't know, he has a new song out. It's called Oh God. And uh, you should listen. <laughs>